Live from Harrison County, we welcome you to the Healthy Harrison Podcast, a show designed to help you change your state. I'm Healthy Harrison board member Gary Bowden. Our co-host today is Brock Malcolm, the vice president of the Healthy Harrison Board of Directors. We're streaming this program live on the Healthy Harrison Facebook page and on the statewide distribution network of our media partner, WVNews.com. Uh, we're also in our brand new WV News studio in Clarksburg. Uh, so we're proud of that. And uh, uh, frankly, just a little bit easier to host and conduct these interviews in a shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder format. It's a lot nicer to, to, it, to look somebody in the face it, when you're talking to them. It definitely is. Every week at this time, we chat with individuals who in their personal or professional lives, or both, share the mission of Healthy Harrison, that being to foster measurable improvement to the health and well-being of the people in North Central West Virginia. If Dr. Clay Marsh is the state's COVID czar, our guest today would have to be described as North Central West Virginia's COVID czar. Dr. Mark Pravraznik is the Chief Quality Officer and Chairman of Infection Prevention at United Hospital Center. 30 years ago, while working on his pharmacy degrees at WVU, including a doctoral degree at the WVU School of Pharmacy, I doubt he could have envisioned the challenges <laughs> of his life and career that would begin in 2019. Mark, it's great to have you here as our first in-studio guest. Well, thank you. I, I really do appreciate it. I actually kind of get excited to share that we're all imperfect in healthcare, but we have milestones ourselves in healthcare. So I, I'm proud to be here. I was uh, teasing John Paul when he invited me back. I said, uh, do you want me to show up like my last Facebook costume and move everybody through the pasture here? And he said, show up however you want. Yeah. So I, I'm looking forward to our discussion. Well, we're, we're delighted, as I just mentioned to Brock, and, and Brock agreed that it's, it's so much nicer to be able to do this in a non-COVID prevention environment where we can actually uh, talk with each other. So let's start out with COVID. We got to address the obvious. I, I suppose that um, it, it's a subject in school that they, they never taught you about. They weren't discussing COVID in pharmacy school. Um, let's talk about some of the professional adjustments that you've had to make over the past couple of years. And then if you can give us an update on the uh, declining numbers that we're seeing now, not just in West Virginia, but across the country. Well, you know, I'm, I'm happy to report right now, we're outside of crisis mode for the, for the most part. There are, there are other crises I'm sure we're going to talk about that are going to be the outcrops of this COVID pandemic. But, uh, you know, to put in perspective, our, our critical care units are no longer as tasked. Mm -hmm. uh, patients going on ventilators and, and dying has declined as of recent. So that, that's, that's great news. We've been holding a strong 40 patients in the hospital all through this, this last wave. But the good news on that is about half of them, while they still require acute level of care, they're out of their infectiousness. So that takes some strain off of our staff. And so we look for the next couple of weeks. We're always, we're, we're really excited for that, that, that window to open and let some of that fresh air back in and do it safely. So perhaps with spring just being a, a month away, that that hope and that reality will come a little bit closer together for us. You and your associates, fellow workers are called upon to be health leaders in our community. Is this the biggest challenge that 
the hospital has ever uh, faced, uh, and 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 how did you do it? I mean, uh, with the incredible adjustments that needed to be made. Well, you know that, that that's a, that's a tough one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that hits on many levels because each person in healthcare, you know, they're, they're resonating songs in their mind, words in their mind, courage, stamina, uh, the betterment of the people. What you do in healthcare is always to raise the status of someone else. I teach that in orientation every two weeks. Every single person in that room benefits the patients we serve, and I don't care what your degree is. And as you go through that, everyone met different challenges but we were similar in a lots of regards and uh, somewhat a difficult topic for healthcare people to talk about, but I reported on it at the start of the pandemic. One of my own concerns was depression and anxiety and how that was going to be an outcrop of this pandemic. And we haven't even lived through yet the continuous stress and the pressures uh, on, on healthcare, on the community. And, and so uh, when you think about anxiety and PTSD and depression, dancing even at my own doorstep, mm -hmm we fall back on what we know to be good cardinal principles of mind, body, and spirit and try to realign. So it affects us all. Um, you know, we, we saw our colleagues on, you know, bring their talents forward in whatever those talents may be. Uh, you know, my, my call was to simplify information, to, to get communication to as many as I could. And, and no invitation was turned down. Civic groups, church groups, uh, the community at large, Expo, it didn't matter because we needed information and it needed to be in a way that the majority could understand. So I saw that as, as one of my callings and I saw others do similar. Uh, even if it came down to, we got to find a way to lighten the load a little bit and bring some laughter, even though we're in tenuous situations. A uh, colleague of mine, uh, John Forrester, is an avid musician. He's also very talented in managing the physician practices and keeping up with regulations, but brought in his banjo one day. We need uh, mental yeah, mindness ourselves. Yeah. Uh, so uh, lots of challenges, and those challenges are going to continue. And, and I think as we go through our discussion here today, uh, you know, I have some concerns that are going to affect our community, and I think we'll be talking yeah, about Yeah, we will. Well, you know, nationwide, we've we've heard a lot about, particularly with nursing shortages, the the impact that treating this virus has had on on the nursing community. Maybe you could share some of the sacrifices you've seen and talk about the toll that you've seen even within the hospital on not only the nurses but all the frontline medical staff. Well, universally, there was a passion for purpose. Universally, everybody in their heart was there with avid energy, uh, admits what they didn't think they would see in their careers. Many people would have never seen this in their careers. So we, we, we know in healthcare people are going to die. Uh, but when they're, they're, they're young deaths, they're unexpected deaths, they're, they're, they're more of a number than what you're used to. It, it hits at that core that my job, my will, is to enhance the care. So that's that kind of mental strain that was happening and continued to happen repeatedly. It was coupled and magnified by the nursing shortage because essentially they had to work longer shifts, extra shifts, and they continue to do so. Uh, it, it's being called the, the great regression uh, that, that healthcare is leaving their front, that the, the amount of uh, heightened energy is, is steered them in different paths in different directions amidst a national shortage that was already there blooming. Uh, so this is one of those 
crisis challenges, as you will, that will continue to unfold after the pandemic goes to an endemic. Uh, every single day, every single hospital across the United States is dealing with balancing a mindful, healthy workforce, the volume of a workforce that they need, a transition out of their workforce somewhere else to find a replacement. And it's not just nursing care. Uh, we, the community, need to recognize that all those in those walls are, are facing similar challenges as is nursing. And they have my heightened respects, but also our environmental service workers, where right. we, we saw, you know, pushing a 40% turnover this past year. Our dietary service workers, they're, they're also an eminent part of what we do uh, at a 40% turnover. So healthcare is experiencing challenges. Uh, but I'm proud WV Medicine. We, we are a team and uh, we're, we're taking each step of this and figuring out how do we handle it? How do we rebuild it? Just as a follow up on that real quick, and this may be a, a personal uh, observation I'm asking for, but post vaccination, the opportunity for us to be vaccinated. Did some of the issues of exhaustion among healthcare workers turn more to anger as people Coming into the hospitals, we saw percentages were much higher of unvaccinated. I I don't know if it was ever anger. Um, I, I think the the heart of every healthcare person is that person in their personal choice. Mm -hmm. I, I think there was an element of frustration around the entire situation, not the individual. And when you're frustrated constantly, whether it's work or school or a pandemic, it's still draining yeah. on the mind. Well, of course, and, and frustrating because you, you're trying to do all you can to help people. And there's this distrust that I think so many within the healthcare community don't understand. Where did this distrust of us come from? You know, maybe you distrust the government, maybe you're politically divided, but, but here we are doing all we can to try to save your life. And yet you don't believe what we're telling you in terms of the numbers and things like that. I mean, how have you kind of dealt with that? Well, you know, that call to, call to action was early and it's continued. Um, you know, one of the things I decided I had to do, which I, I didn't believe in before, is become a Facebook friend, okay? Mm. Uh, I didn't do that, didn't have time for it. So I went from zero to 1,500 friends like that, and I take every question and call they send to me. I, I don't even know most of these people, mm -hmm. uh, but their question is real. And behind every real question is find the facts. And, and I spent a lot of time educating people. Uh, and sometimes you chuckle that you're getting a video and I, I know excerpts of this video. Part of that video was filmed in the 80s. Part of it was filmed in the 90s. <laughs> and somebody has cleverly yeah. put it together. Yeah. And you got to help people see that without being judgmental. Sure. Uh, and, and help point out what are real facts that people can make informed decisions. And, and, and I don't know that we did a good job of that at the start of the pandemic, laying out that groundwork that uh, a vaccine isn't a single shot. No one ever said it was. It's a series, and we have to define that series. Uh, but when you relate it back and say, don't you recall hepatitis B is a three-shot series? Oh, yeah. So now I, I, I come down from what I think may be fraudulent education to there is reality in this scientific discussion. Well, you know, with the good news that maybe we're seeing some ebb back in the numbers. Um, you mentioned that we, we still will face challenges moving forward because of the impacts that COVID has had both on the hospital, on our community, on 
specific individuals within that community. Maybe you could talk a little bit about what you see in the near future and, and some of those challenges that we'll have to deal with. Well, some of those changes are going to be on the healthcare front, the community front, that could benefit both. Um, so supply chain is an easy one. Uh, we, we realized in, in the beginning that United Hospital Center wouldn't do as well as we did alone. You know, that's one of the principles of Healthy Harrison. You don't do it alone. We are one big family. So across WVU Medicine, we centered upon that principle that we have to work together. We have to bring together all of our numbers. We have to know what we've got coming, where is it coming from, what the needs are, and share and distribute. And that's going to continue. Uh, supply chain is going to even grow further from that. We can no longer rely on is that, that slow boat from China going to make it through the canal or what's going to happen. We need to have supplies and manage PAR levels on the home front to protect our patients, protect our staff. Uh, but outcrops are going to continue in terms of transparency and integration for the community. My chart's just one example, and I don't know if you're on my chart, but I'm on it, and I flipped it on the other day, and I said, wow, there's a new COVID app for me. So it already had my information. So when I need to show it to somebody, on my chart was one button, and there's what you need to know. It's collected. Uh, but that's going to grow uh, in terms of virtual care. Um, you know, the, the, the futurists really believe, and, and I believe, that by 2040, the majority of healthcare is going to be in the home, the outpatient setting, or virtually. So we have to get our eyes and heads around that concept that that is a transition and that we can do it with high quality and, and great safety. Uh, but what's in, the, what's in the mix for the, the community is they demand, and the studies show, a personal touch in healthcare. So while we transition because of the, the pandemic and outcrop, we have to be able to do it with that personal touch. And like we are here, we're having a personal interaction, and we can make that personal touch and expand care. We're going to have to be able to expand it. We're going to have to be working to rebuild the workforce. There are going to be areas of our country that don't have what they had prior to the pandemic. And some of these tools are going to be the resolution for this. Well, I think that there's one positive that came out of all of this um, COVID situation. It's certainly that has escalated and, and accelerated the adoption of, of telehealth and those kind of technologies, which to a state that has you know, some limitations in terms of transportation and geographical spread. Um, certainly our, our population could benefit from that. Uh, you know, I think Gordon Gee said it the first time I heard it, but it, his words resonated so well that, you know, the, the COVID pandemic was the, the black swan. All right, what we didn't expect, it was unfolding, it was an outcrop, and all that was true. And in, in virtual care and telemedicine was, was there just hanging on a thread and not embraced, likely because there was an insurance platform and payment system to mm -hmm. make it happen. But look what happened. You know, you know, at the start of the pandemic in, say, January or so, less than 1% of Medicare patients were on uh, telemedicine. And that quickly rose to 40% just mm -hmm. in, in a few months. Yeah. So that growth, that potential is going to continue to live and we're going to migrate and enhance it and build upon it. And I think that's the good challenge for healthcare of the future. Let me remind our viewers that the Healthy Harrison podcast would not be possible without the help of our kind and generous sponsors, WVU Medicine, United Hospital Center, West Virginia University, The State Journal, WVNews.com, and Interaction Media. We're speaking today with Dr. Mark 
Pavaraznik of United Hospital Center. He's their chief quality officer and chairman of infection prevention. Um, all right, let's move away from COVID all right. for a bit, <laughs> for which you'll surely be thankful. Um, We'll talk about we're going. To, you mentioned healthy Harrison and the connection to community. You and your family uh, are involved in many ways in the local community, uh, and specifically, I know that you and your family have involved in what's called a reading trail at Bridgeport uh, City Parks. Uh, tell us about that. That's a that's a personal story for you all. Uh, tell us about it and how well, it got started. You know it. it it, it, it's a great sponsorship for my family and what our belief systems are. Certainly not my idea or my family's idea. I was born, the, the director of the program is Melanie Groves. It was Bridgeport's public libraries, parks and recreations, Bridgeport Lion Club, and uh, the student council, and, and lots of people putting that program together. But, you know, it resonated with me because it echoes uh, mindfulness and exercise and Yes, and in, in, in acknowledged authors and some of them part of our era, but a fun way, a safe way to to get out and connect and, and have exercise uh, coupled with reading. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be a platform. I hope it's a platform to evolve in a, in a couple ways. Um, we, we, we have a, a situation after three years of a pandemic, kids that have disrupted lives. That, that are inundated with their technology that they don't speak, that, that their thoughts and ideas and frustrations in their minds, and it's gonna to come to light. Uh, and you know they're gonna have difficulty talking about that, just as it's difficult to sit on the living room sofa and have the S discussion, we're gonna to have to have the D discussion. I'm feeling depressed or I, you know, my, my life is in discord and talk me through that. So they're not going to do it easily, but an established trail out in the open where we can walk and talk together, maybe an open avenue for some additional uh, uh, sources for that program. Um, and maybe even to take someday the, the book and, and throw in a, a worthy quote. And as we walk around, what, what does this quote mean? You know, uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson, there's a lot of quotes there that resonate responsibility and actions and what you get in life is what you put in it. And maybe that becomes a way for us to break through and talk because we're going to need to start talking more. Yeah. The, the pillars of Healthy Harrison are mind, move, and eat. You address that. Um, and the trail integrates or attempts to integrate mindfulness and exercise um, is the the mission, the message of the trail, one that will uh, speak to very young people, to to, to kids, uh, where we know we benefit by reaching them at a very early age when it comes to health and nutrition and exercise? Yeah, I think it's the new modern way to reach younger kids and incorporate reading uh, getting outdoors again, because that broke away from when we were kids, you know, your parents kicked you out. So yeah, now right. <laughs> parents can take and walk and, and enjoy something fun, but you're planting those seeds. And those seeds are important because you, you get a window to enable those seeds of uh, uh, good growth to grow and become part of a good habit. And that's when kids are young. Um, you know, to use, uh, you know, one of my own kids as an example, you know, we read to them. We talked to them. Uh, they, they enjoy it as a hobby. 
uh, we shared books. They, they see in my life that there's so much I have to read to keep up that, that yeah. that's expected. And, and as they've taken on very demanding jobs, you know, my 19 year old's at Wesleyan, she keeps a heavy load, biochemistry. She has her eyes set on medicine. And I'm always thinking about those pillars too. So uh, despite you've acquired a great uh, knowledge to read and be enthusiastic and it's gonna fit that career path, what you put on your plate is going to challenge you. And that's where exercise and mindfulness enters in too. So these are skills in the background that they will draw upon and utilize and, and make them healthier individuals. And that's what this is all about. Mm -hmm. Such a nice opportunity for that bonding time that you mentioned between parents and kids. You know, in the beginning of the pandemic, a lot of families took advantage of that time, whether it was playing board games or whatever. But as the years now have stretched on, maybe you've gotten away from some of those things. So the ability to get outside and, and, and move together and talk um, certainly could build a stronger family. But you see that as also something that builds stronger communities. Oh, I do. I do. And, uh, you know, I, I remember from when I was even younger, and I envisioned it for for uh, Harrison County. I mean, you, you, you go to some of these uh, younger communities, Virginia, for example, and, and people are walking and riding bikes and they're out with their dogs and all these things and they're getting physical activity. You see that now growing more and more and more in Harrison County. And that's why I like to support these type things. Um, you know, to give a parallel, yeah, if there's a business in town and you don't ever go there, even though you may pay a few pennies more than Amazon, then the business is not there. Similarly, with those that are creating good ideas and putting there, if we don't support them and support the individuals bringing them forward, then the healthy ideas aren't there. And so, you know, that's one of the cardinal reasons why I supported the reading program and I'll support other programs like it. We've got a new one coming. Uh, you know, an inclusive playground. That, that's also yeah, yeah. A, about healthiness. And, well, maybe um, talk a little bit about other programs that the, either the UHC staff or the hospital are, are putting on and and um, <clears throat> that are focused on those pillars of mind, move, and eat. Well, you know, one of uh, those areas is around our insurance. Uh, for, for 2022, uh, the, the program mirrors Healthy Harrison and, and as we work to make a stronger, healthier workforce. And that's bringing in uh, meal planning and meal preparation, smarter goals. Uh, uh, it's talking about physical activity and how to set those milestones. So that's for all of our staff. Um, but the hospital as a whole in, in WV Medicine is you know, we have, we have programs to support the community in lots of different ways. And we just finished, uh, you know, the Holly Ball. That's our one event, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Children's Hospital has a gala event for, for children. But, you know, those uh, proceeds are going to establish that nursing school and bring closer to our, our county the, the resources that we need. So we're working to grow that and help uh, condition what is the outcrop of this pandemic in, a, in terms of our workforce. But... Uh, you know, the hospital is very much involved in the United Way. You know, that, that's a known pillar to this community. Mm -hmm. And uh, everyone there, and I can't say everyone, but it, it, it's a common contribution because we see the need uh, and we see all the value that, that, that they bring to, to programs around the county. Let, re, let me remind our viewers again of our uh, great sponsors that make this show possible, WVU Medicine, United Hospital Center, West Virginia University, 
the State Journal, WVNews.com, and Interaction Media. Our guest today is Dr. Mark Pavrosnik. Uh, we mentioned that you and your family are involved in the community in, in many ways and in, enjoy being a yeah. part of that. You and I spoke, spoke a little bit before the program um, about, your, well, and you mentioned your daughter, Hannah, who as a freshman at Bridgeport High School started a really nice program that is now uh, five years old, I think Celebrated we said. Celebrated a is, five year, yeah. has transitioned from Bridgeport High School into West Virginia Wesleyan. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I mean... And any other programs <laughs> that your your kids have started? Well, you, you, know, it, you know, it was a neat idea. And, you know, that's where the value of discussing at a dinner table, something can come up and you yeah. support your kids. But uh, it, it grew to be a program that engages children, school children, high school children. Uh, it, it, it got earmarked and landmarked by a book that she wrote, Boxing It Up to Give Thanks. And it's to bring community service from the school level to those in need in our community. This one happens to be wrapped around a, a Thanksgiving meal. And, uh, you know, she and I had this discussion with the pandemic of, in, in 2020 and 2021. And uh, she said, you know, Dad, there may be a virus going around, but there are still people that need to eat. And that, that's mindful of our community, that there, despite what happens, there are still services and things that need to go on. So Boxing It Up delivered its uh, thousand boxes across six counties and uh, has brought more student leaders to be mentored in a program that uh, celebrated five years. And uh, it's been a great project. And, and, and we should mention that... Uh... It, it's well, we did mention that it started at Bridgeport High School, but one of our efforts was to take it to young students at the other high schools in Harrison County as well. And they did. And, yeah. you know, that's one of the downsides of the pandemic that when classes shut down, when schools went virtual, then your your community service working groups also had to uh, be derailed. So we, we hope that's temporary. And uh, because the framework around boxing it up shows students that I can take an idea no matter how big or small it is, I can serve my community. And this is just one example, but there's lots of lessons to be taught. Uh, the reading program is growing and we talked about reading. Uh, and so that, that program, that books in uh, 140 copies are in schools across the state. Right. Uh, all the proceeds from the book go right back in to serve boxing it up and to buy more books and to support more reading. So a good program by student leaders. Yeah. Well, Doc, you're a longtime friend of Healthy Harrison. Um, as as board members, Gary and I are always looking for suggestions on areas that maybe Healthy Harrison needs to grow in order to further our mission of, of developing a, a stronger and healthier community. Do you have any ideas, any suggestions for, for where Healthy Harrison may go next? Well, I, I think one area is important is to, to continue to work to break through the stigma of depression, that it makes kids comfortable to talk. Whatever program breaks that cycle and encourages them to open up and, and get away from that electronic device that we can have a conversation, it, it's not gonna be easy as compared to when we were kids. We talked to our parents, we had dialogue, and the kids today have grown and they're used to that texting in that format. So. Uh, we need to keep planning for that and finding ways to support them. But I also think that anything that continues to resonate, that small goals can multiply and magnify. And whatever metric you wanna use, 
well, they say 67% of statistics are made up on the spot. It doesn't matter what the number is. That if you set a new goal, you could live that goal in as short as two weeks. But 66 days is the average. That if I commit to something and I can be encouraged and get over, it can be a lifelong strategy. Yeah. So we, we need to continue to work on those examples of real life people, how we've done that to encourage others and to be consistent in that message. Because I may have to hear it a dozen times before I say it applies to me. But there are a lot of me's out there that need to set some goals and they need that encouragement. And that's going to be all of us. West Virginia is never going to earn any gold stars for the health of its citizens. Well, we hope one day they will, but right now they wouldn't necessarily. Uh, do you think that programs such as Healthy Harris and other like programs around the state can, I'll use our executive director's uh, term, move the needle in a, in a positive direction? Yeah, I think the needle will always move in a positive direction. It will be difficult for everyone to measure it in the population that they're looking at. We are an advanced age state. Chronic diseases are not going to disappear once they are there. So it will take time to measure how many new diseases happen, how many new percentage of heart failure, diabetes. But we have ways to start. How many of our, our young children are obese? How many of them have uh, diabetes at a young age? So there are metrics that we can look back to encourage us to keep going, but the needle will always move with every single person is an opportunity. So that's where our focus needs to stay. Let's, um, let's finish because we appreciate and respect your time. And, th and this has been great, but I want to let you toot your own horn because mm. I, I said West Virginia won't uh, uh, win any uh, gold stars, but I noticed in the paper day that United Hospital Center did win some gold stars oh. from the, uh, I'm sorry, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid. Tell us about that. Well, the CMS uh, star ratings is essentially it's all public reported. You can go in and look at any hospital you want to. But we are proud of that because that's around patient satisfaction and, and a lot of quality care metrics around patient care. So. To earn it and be the only one in the state that has earned it is, is rewarding, but it's a reflection on the staff. And it's a reflection when we've been through quite a strenuous time through, through COVID. And also uh, right on the heels of that was uh, IBM Watson top 100 for two years. I don't like trophies per se, <laughs> but behind them are, are, is a roadmap of what led to that being a designation for our community. And they are a reflection of what the staff in that building work for every day. There will always be the negativity and the condescending and you didn't do what I needed on Facebook. Trust me, it depresses me when I read them now that I have 1500 followers. <laughs> uh, but in reality, those are, there's a benchmark metrics that give us a sense that we are working towards and providing what others value. Well, yeah, con ahead. congratulations for sure. And and I think the value in it for me personally is uh, because you do get all that negativity and, and there's people that think that you have to go to Morgantown, you have to go to Charleston, you have to go to Cleveland or Baltimore for the best possible care. But consistently, we're finding out over and over through these trophies, you don't like them, but it's better than not winning <laughs> them, right, is that we have, uh, you know, world-class hospital right here in our county and that we're lucky to have that. So many areas in the state 
don't get to enjoy um, a local hospital that that's winning awards and, and continually demonstrating leadership and in, in improving the health and well-being of its citizens. So uh, congratulations. Thank you. Well, and I know it's probably not said enough, but in that vein, um, uh, it's probably a good opportunity for us to thank on behalf of the community what you and the staff at, you know, at United Hospital Center has done because this last two plus years has been a challenge here locally, just like it has been all around the country and all around the world. Well, especially with uh, the idea of patient satisfaction being a driving force of this most recent award, you know, everybody's so exhausted of the times we're living in and, and just maybe a little bit crankier than they would be normally. So for you to have people coming through the hospital and, and being so complimentary of the services that they're getting, I think really speaks volumes. Well, you know, I'm not the only one on this ship, but you know, I'm always proud right. that my hands are on one of the oars. Uh, and there are a lot of people there doing the same thing, and they've done some remarkable things. And it's always great when you hear Bridgeport or our county being mentioned, you know, you know, in national news. Uh, you know, at the start of the pandemic, you know, one of the greatest things we were the first to operationalize in in ninety five mass disinfection, and sitting there watching the news, and they mention our hospital. So mm -hmm. great things happen when we all work together, and people rise to their challenges and. I think the pandemic is going to be singing a beautiful song for this state for some time to come because there's a lot of goodness here. Yeah, and I back to the five gold stars, I would think that's uh, uh, very encouraging for people that have gone through all this uh, almost as much as the banjo playing uh, <laughs> on occasion to lighten things up a little bit. <laughs> Dr. Mark Pavrosnik, thank you so much for being our guest thank today. You. Thank Appreciate you. your time. Thanks for joining us today on the Healthy Harrison podcast. It's our goal to change your state of mind and ultimately change the state of health here and throughout all of West Virginia. If you want more help right now, visit the healthyharrison.org, well, visit the website healthyharrison.org or visit the Healthy Harrison Facebook page. And if you would, give us a like. You'll find lots of support and you can also stream past episodes of the Healthy Harrison podcast on that Facebook page. Again, we'd like to thank our sponsors, WVU Medicine, United Hospital Center, West Virginia University, The State Journal, WVNews.com, and Interaction Media. On behalf of Healthy Harrison, Brock and I, again, thank Mark for being Thanks with so us. Much. We thank all of you for joining us today. If you've ever thought, I don't know how to get started in my healthy exercise and career and new goal structure. Um, join us for the Healthy Harrison podcast every week. Our guests will help set you on a path toward happier, healthier living. See you next time.